Hi, listeners. Welcome to a new episode on Women's Stories. I'm your host, Haula, and I'm excited today for this episode because we are going to talk about how to overcome the can-do mindset and make a radical change uh, to, to commit to your goal. Today, I'm going to chat with the high-energy rebel woman who is not afraid to take risks. She's from Australia. She left everything behind her, her loved ones, her family to pursue her journey to live in France and to start a new life. She's a professional coach and she hosts workshop for clients who need to improve their communication and relationship skills and grow their business. She has over 20 years of experience in corporate life and small business. She's the author of the book, Get the Balls to Get, to get Real, that talks about how to improve your communication and your relationship skills. Janine, welcome to Women's Stories podcast. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's really good to be joining you. Thanks. It's great to have you here. So I've read, I went to your website, I've read your blog and how you struggled uh, for years to, to pursue your journey and to come to France. So what's your relationship like with, with, with the country and, and what does it mean to you, France? I would have to say that now I have a, a mixed relationship with France. It, I think in Facebook terms, they would say it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and that's mainly because of the one thing that pretty much everyone hates about France, including the French, and that's the administration and bureaucracy. So apart from that, I love it. There's, it's, it's a beautiful country to live in. Um, the environment, the landscape, everything's gorgeous. The food, I mean, I'm, I love good food and I particularly love French food and good wine, although wine doesn't like, my buddy doesn't like wine as much as I do anymore. <laughs> Very sad. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so I think there's lots of potential. I'm enjoying building up a totally new business here in France working with expat women here and, and that's going really well. And so that energizes me. Uh, and yeah, so I love most things apart from the bureaucracy <laughs> and, and, and the thing, and the, it is difficult to get things done sometimes here, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the, the process is a little bit hard yeah. to follow. Yeah. But I'm here now, I've got my visa, I ended up getting, I was able to get a four-year carte de séjour or residency card uh, last December. So I'm well on my way to getting my citizenship. <laughs> That's good. Keep on going. <laughs> yeah. So now you are in a different country with a new language, new mentality, new culture. Tell me about the challenge that you had when you first came here and the importance of not losing your, your identity, self-identity? Um, I think the biggest challenges when I arrived, when I came to live here, so I, I came for three months, let me get my years right, in 2018, and came for three months to Nice to learn French, and then went back to Australia to get my visa, which was, um, 
a saga in its own right, but not, not actually due to French bureaucracy, just due, due to my choice of an immigration lawyer. So there you go. And, um, and then came back here to live December or the end of 2018. And the biggest challenge after that was finding a place to rent. And the French have some very challenging arrangements with, um, with renting. And that's a whole nother blog that I have yet to write. And, um, but I'd say that that was the biggest challenge with getting settled down into France. But then there's the other challenge of, especially if you're on your own, and I don't know if it's, you know, just as a female or either male or female, but when you're on your own, it's really easy to feel isolated. Because, and especially if you don't speak the language, which I still don't. I mean, two lots of three months of lessons wasn't quite enough to get me to be to being conversational, which I sort of hoped I would. It was a lot harder. It's a lot harder than what I expected. And anyhow, but when you don't speak the language, it means you can't just walk down the street and chat to someone or say hi or go into a shop and have a conversation. You know, I, I know enough French to be able to order what I want. And that's about it. You know, if they, I, I know enough French to ask some questions, but half the time I don't know what they answer. So it's, it's really not good. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it just feels isolating. And, you know, this group that I'm starting up expat, for expat women in France and the club, Club Mojo Circle, say that again, Club Mojo Circle, it, it, many women are saying exactly the same thing, that what they want to do is expand their social circle and, and make new friends. And the French, even, even French people have told me this, the French have a bit of a closed culture. And even if you do speak French, they seem to stick with their little, their group of friends that they've had, I, I don't know, I assume all their life. And it's hard to move to a new place. So even if you're French and you just move, say, from Paris to Nice, you know, it's hard to settle in and create that new group of friends. And I think it's also an age thing. I think, you know, if you're in your 20s, it seems so much easier to just go out to a bar and go drinking and you meet other people in their 20s and make new friends and then see them the next day and, you know, all of that. But I think once you get over, I would say, it's definitely over 30, but maybe over 35, you don't feel like just going to a pub or a bar. And you often don't feel like going on your own, although, you know, it's something that we all should do. And it is a really good experience when you do it, actually. Um, but it, it's, you know, you just don't make friends as easily. So that's why I think it's really important to find a community that you can be part of and feel like you belong to, because it's, it's hard to feel like you belong when you're living in a new country. I'm yeah. sure you, you know what I mean. I know definitely what you mean, because I'm also, when I arrived here, I was uh, lonely and I couldn't really find this community to just talk and just, you know, but when I learned the language well, and when I started to, to, to talk to everybody, so they now start to, to open 
to open their, themselves and start to to have conversations but i think uh, the difficult thing is the language yeah and the second thing is um just to people need to accept that there are very different personalities and different mentalities so just this acceptance need to be more in the french society i guess and and different culture as well i i think it's very important for us expats to recognize that france has its own culture and in many ways is quite different to certainly australia which is much more relaxed and easygoing and you know hey mate you know whereas the, the french do have more you know you've got to sit on uh, on the side of politeness and etiquette and you know you've got to be very careful especially at first and i just think it's important that you know when we're living in their country with their culture that we respect that yeah yeah i totally agree because we need to adapt to the new culture mm. and and just and also uh have yourself you you don't lose your self identity but you can adapt and and respect the culture that you live in yeah yeah adapting to where you live is you know is nowhere near giving up you know yourself and your personality you know you still do that but we can all adapt you know we we have to do it all throughout our lives we can do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so tell me how did you overcome the challenge to to remove yourself from the isolation and and meeting new people how did you manage to meet new people i think one of the things is actually being prepared to get out and like go out on your own um one of the things that i really liked doing at first i joined internations and that was that was great because i was going out and i was meeting other english speaking people as well as french speaking people and uh, and so so i enjoyed that there's a few like some internations groups are better than others and some events are better than others so uh, you know i'd give it a mixed a mixed bag on that mixed report rather <laughs> um and and the other thing is you know like learning french sort of going to french classes is really good because you get to meet other people in exactly the same boat as you and with the same level of french as you so you know you can challenge each other together and um and as i said before you know finding a community that you feel you can belong to it's very important to find you know like-minded people and there's lots of groups on facebook that are really really useful for that you know mine included expat women in france but there you know there's others you know particularly living down here there's there's um living oh, i think it's called cote d'azur living and there's you know there's definitely quite a few in paris and there's a couple of groups actually singles in france and bonjour singles in france i don't know why there's two different ones but um they they're quite interesting to uh, observe and i don't think any of them provide the sense of community that i'm working very hard to create within my group because i'm focused on it as a community 
not just as a group where people can come in and ask a question. Mm. So there's, it, I have a very different intent around it. But yeah, it, it's about finding, you know, finding people with common interests. Oh, Meetup is another good way to get out there and, you know, find people who like doing the same sort of thing as you. Yeah. And, and, and it's try, just try, try and try again and keep at it. You know, you could be persistent and resilient. Yeah, I have met great friends in meetups and internations. It's a really good network to start with. Yeah, yeah, they are. I think they're, they're really good. Yeah, so, so let's talk more about uh, the can-do mindset. And I want to okay. hear your story about uh, how you shifted your mindset from can-do mindset to can-do mindset. And the mindset shift can be learned, right? Yeah, it can. But it, it's an interesting question because it's, it's not necessarily a matter of learning it as a choice to be it. Because, and it's a, a, it's a mindset thing as well as a mindfulness thing. So if we have this negative mindset where we're always thinking of, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that, or what if this went wrong? What if that went wrong? You know, if we're always focused on what could go wrong, then we're never, ever going to get a can-do mindset mm. because a can-do mindset, so the focusing on the negative is the pessimistic view of life. Focusing on the positive is the optimistic view of life and if we have a pessimistic attitude and view of life then i don't think anyone can teach us to be optimistic it's it's not something you can teach it's something that you can learn through personal development how to change the way you think and it takes consciousness, it takes discipline, and it takes guidance and coaching very often, or you know, personal development courses to, to retrain your brain. So, so yeah, so it's, it's about each person who has to retrain their brain to start thinking more positively. And that means every time they find themselves going, oh, I can't do that, or how can I do that? Or, you know, and, and imagining all the worst possible things that could happen, they need to pick themselves up and go, no, that's just the negative mindset. No, I don't need to listen to that side because I'm going to focus on the positive. So let's imagine, because all worry is, is imagination. So instead of imagining the worst possible outcome, I'm going to imagine the best possible outcome. So, so what could go right? And how, how could that look? And I think that's the only way you can change from a can't do to a can do mindset by you know, very consciously choosing to be optimistic. Yeah, whatever the situation is, right? So it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So talk to me about the situation that you had this like challenge and you start to apply this can-do mindset. And it was, so when I was in Australia for the last few years, so I'd, I'd had a very successful career. 
um, in sales and marketing and then training and, you know, facilitating workshops all around the Asia pack. And then it just sort of fell in a heap. It, it, you know, companies changed and, and I just, I wasn't getting the work anymore. And that went on for a few years and I tried different things and I tried to understand my block, what was stopping me from moving forward. But everything I tried, I just hit a dead end or a block or, you know, or it just disappeared on me. And I, I tried many, many things to remove this block, like, you know, hypnotism and going to, uh, you know, all sorts of healers and, um, you know, personal development and into psychics, you know, you name it. I probably tried it. And I went to this, I had a reading with this guy who channels the energies of Tsar. It's Gary and Mary. And I asked him, I said, so what's my block? What's stopping me from moving forward? And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I, I, want to, I want to help people live a more fulfilling life. And he said, how well are you doing that yourself? Said, yeah pretty crappily actually. <laughs> and so he said, okay. And, and he sort of talked about it a bit longer. And, and then he said, well, our purpose in life is not to help others. Our purpose in life is to live the happiest and most fulfilling life that we can for ourselves. And then we will have the right energy. It'll be a high vibration energy that people will be attracted to and they'll want to and, and they'll just and they'll want to hear our story. And so this is a very roundabout way of answering your question because it was in that moment that I went, well, if that's the case, I may as well, if it's all about just what I, you know, what's going to make me happiest, I may as well go and live in France because that's what I've been wanting to do for 30 years. And it had been my five-year plan for the last 10 years. And I went, okay. And it was almost like he gave me permission because, which of course he didn't. I just gave myself permission based on what he'd told me. But I had spent, you know, the last few years, I mean, there were a few things holding me back. I had elderly, unwell parents. And there was part of me that knew they were dying you know, like knew that they weren't far away from dying. And I wanted to be there, you know, till the end of their life quite naturally. I had also an aged, aging cat, one to, you know, she was my baby. Uh, and there was part of me that went, well, Janine, if you can't make a success of it in Melbourne, in your own hometown, how are you going to make a success of it in another country where you don't speak the language? And what are you going to do there anyway? So there were all these big questions and it was like he just, you know, shifted my perception and fine-tuned it to go, what do you want and what do you need to be happy? And then I just followed that. And it was in that moment, it was like May, I remember it very clearly, it was May 2017. And I said, right, well, that's it. I am going, I'm going to go. And I then proceeded to put my house on the market. I, I had to book in for a knee replacement surgery because my knee was so bad I knew it needed to be done before I came to France the first time. 
and and it made sense to have it the operation i went into my orthopedic surgeon and said right um i need you to do my knee replacement at the end of august and he's i said because i'm going to france and he said well we orthopedic surgeons we we don't just do a knee replacement because you're going to france and i said yeah but i need it done and then he sort of had a look at you know how to play with my knee and he went okay i'll do it for you and i'm going away on the 30th of august so i'll do it for you on the 29th and i went cool my house goes on the market on the 30th so i'll just go into hospital on the 29th and then i'll be recovering and not at home and perfect just worked perfectly so it was yeah it was just about going making the decision it was really important to go Yep, it's been my dream for so long. Now, here's the decision and then make the plan and take action. Yeah, because sometimes people feel overwhelmed with like, I will take this decision and I'm like afraid of the outcome and they keep thinking, thinking the overthinking, it can kill everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. And, and And if we overthink, it's... We, we, you just don't want to overthink anything, actually. <laughs> it's, you know, just don't bother. <laughs> and plus, you know, it goes back to when you overthink, are you thinking of all the negative things? You know, it, or are you overthinking about the positive things and getting really excited about the possibilities and the potential and what can go right and how fantastic your life can be? That sort of overthinking is okay. Yeah. Overthinking, but with the positive vibes, positive yes. mindset. Yeah, yeah. You're allowed to overthink, but it's it's as long as it's positive. <laughs> so I have a question for you here in your story, and said like, yeah, you what like you have done something that you really wanted to do. Uh, yeah. Do you ever think that yeah, maybe I'm selfish about doing something that I really wanted to do and just ignore people around me? Do you think that is a selfish decision you take? Because sometimes people say, yeah, maybe I'm selfish. I will leave my loved ones, my family. Like people feel like they are owning something to somebody else. Yeah, I, I understand that. Um, I, I never felt selfish because I felt like I was doing what I had to do. You know, I felt like I was driven to move to France. It's, it, you know, that my life wasn't working out in Melbourne. You know, it, I felt like I didn't belong there anymore. So therefore I knew that getting out of Melbourne was the right thing for me. And I think when you know that you're doing what you're meant to be doing and you're following, you know, your true path and your purpose, then you don't feel selfish because it, it's not about being selfish. It's about being self um oh what's the, what's the word it self evolved i think you know and, and it's about putting putting yourself and your needs first now that said did i feel a little bit guilty about leaving my parents yeah sure did i feel really awful about having to leave my cat you know in another home when she was like 15 years old 
and leave her with someone else who, who did love her. So I, I found her a good home, but still felt awful. And in fact, my parents, when I came over, so I came over at the end of 2018, and my parents both, and my cat all died in 2019. My, my cat died two weeks after I left uh, in January. My mother died in the April and my father died in October. So I had two trips back to Australia, like in less than a year. And, but I didn't feel selfish because I just knew it was something I had to do. So I think it's about being very, very clear about your own objectives, putting yourself first, you know, and, and being sure that your purpose in life is to live the most fulfilling life you can for yourself. And if you, when you're doing that, you know what the right decisions are for you. And the idea of being selfish doesn't actually come into it. Yeah. I'm just inspired by hearing what you said. Uh, so, like, how do you define a happy, fulfilling life? Uh, do you feel it like your life is meaningful? Does your life give you joy? Does it make you feel good in your gut when you do what you're doing in your life? Or do you feel heavy? in your gut and you just feel like something's not quite right. You know, it, it's, 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 for me, it's definitely a feeling. It's a sensation of, yeah, I'm on the right track. Mm. And I had that, you know, every time I came to visit France, I used to, I'd, I'd come here and I'd go, I just feel like I'm at home here. I feel like I belong here, you know, and that's without speaking the language. So there was a sense to it. And, and it was the same when I came and lived here. I, I, I was just so happy, so excited. And many things have worked out. I think that's the other thing is, you know, if I look at my history in Melbourne and how nothing would work out for me, like I was going against the flow because the universe was telling me there was somewhere else I needed to be. And it wasn't allowing anything to work in Melbourne because I wasn't meant to stay there. Mm. And yet when I got to France, despite it taking five months to find a place to rent, but I'm very happy because I've got a beautiful place now. And, um, but you know, building the group up and creating the group and I started working with the Facebook group expat women in France in about June after we settled into the house. And, you know, it's now we've just clocked over 1200 members and we haven't done any advertising or anything, any significant promotions yet. Mm. So it's growing beautifully because there's a need there. And I only recognize that need because I've come to France. If I hadn't come to France, I would never have done that. So it's about, it's, it's about following your intuition, following your gut, how you're feeling, you know, in your body in, and in your emotions. And also looking at the signs around you, you know, what are they telling you? Yeah. Taking notice. Yeah. And sometimes like even your intuition and inner voice, you feel like there's something not right here. I need to, to change things. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think you feel it. I think everyone feels it in their gut when, 
when they're living a life that's not right. And if they don't just feel it in their gut, they feel it by getting physically sick, mentally sick, by just, you know, not feeling down. You know, all of these autoimmune diseases are often a result of not living the life that our spirit or soul wants us to live. Yeah. And please don't quote me from a medical perspective on that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but it really can affect also your mental health. You, you, you are right, because I've been there also when I have taken a, a decision that it was not right for me. And I felt that I'm doing the wrong thing, but I listened more to others than listened to myself. So yeah. I, I resonate with what you're saying. Yeah, and, and it does cause depression. You know, if, you, if you're not in alignment, then you don't have anything to feel happy about and you get depressed. You know, it, it, it's, it's not good. So yeah, get in alignment with your soul and your spirit. That's amazing. So tell me, do you believe in having a vision and put it into action and execute it? Like, do you have this, like I'm having a vision, I need to plan it? Do you have this in your journey? I did, yeah. So I'd always had this, okay, let's call it a dream. I'd always had this dream that I was, wanted to live in France. And the reason I call it a dream is that when it's a dream, it's so easy to keep it separate from ourselves because we think it's a dream. And like, oh my God, wouldn't I be so lucky if that ever came true? But we don't actually do anything to make it come true. When we convert that dream into a vision, we're actually seeing ourselves in that vision and saying, okay, here is my vision for my life. This is what I want to create. Well, it's no point saying that if again, you don't do anything. Mm -hmm. So you have to take your vision, you know, from just your vision to action. And the best way to do that is to plan it out. Because if you don't plan it out, it can be, especially what I did, oh my God, you know, not many people would try and sell their house and have a knee replacement surgery and, you know, move to another country or within a year. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a little crazy. But anyhow, <laughs> but, you know, without a plan, it, well, it was overwhelming at times, absolutely. But without a plan, I would never have got through it because I had to have it sorted, at least in my mind, if not written down. Um, okay, I need to do this. Well, I did. It was like, I need to put my house on the market by, you know, the 30th. I need to have my knee operation. I need to, the option for my house will be the, I think it was the 29th of September or something, whatever. And I was like, okay, then I will... You know, then I, three months for me to move out of my house. Then I'll go to Nice for three months and learn to speak French. So I had this timeline all planned out to the date, um, almost. Uh, and, and that was necessary because I had to know what I was following. If I didn't, then it was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'll put my house on the market at some stage. Well, then I had to decide, well, what did I need to do to get my house ready for sale? And that was a big job too. You know, I had to have the whole house painted and things like that. And 
if I hadn't put my plan together and gone, right, these are the dates, this is when I want to go to France, then it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. But do you believe in destiny? Because if you planned everything, may, there are like different things that may got not on your way. Like you planned something, but it's not what you wanted to have to to have. Um, have you ever heard of Dr. John Martini? No, I didn't no, hear. It. <laughs> okay, his. I really like. Um, I really like listening to his talks has a really great insightful innovative you know fabulous icon to follow for personal development and anyhow he said if we look at things as being on our way rather than in our way it's easier to find a way around them so if we go well you know things didn't work out exactly the way we wanted or I wanted, then, you know, I would look at that again in an optimistic sense and go, okay, well, what do I need to do to get around this? So, uh, and, you know, there were a few things, a few things that happened like that, but mostly, I mean, well, particularly it, that happened with my visa, yeah. uh, my visa application, I should say, not my visa. And, I had an awful time dealing with the first immigration lawyer who I'd paid like 4,400 pounds to. And he just wasn't, he told me he could get the visa. And then what, eight months down the track, he said, no, your income history is not good enough. I'm like, but I've paid you. Well, give me a refund. He said, no, you've already used up the time if we charged you 200 an hour. I'm like, how can you do that? So that was distressful because it was at the time where I'd booked an appointment to go and apply for my visa, thinking that I'd have the application ready and he just wasn't helping me at all. And I never gave up though. You know, it's like, okay, well, didn't work with you. So how am I going to get it to work? And I managed to find another lawyer who was able to help me finish my, you know, finish and put the application together because I applied, um, I applied for a professional liberal visa, which meant I had to have a whole business plan and testimonials and, oh my God, about a hundred pieces of paper together in the end. And I think it's just resilience, determination and, yeah, don't look at it as being in the way and go, okay, what have I learned? How do I get around this and keep going? Wow. When I hear what you're saying, you had a lot of perseverance. Like you wanted to get things really done. So yeah. tell me, where does your perseverance comes from? <laughs> if you ask my mother, she <laughs> She'd tell me, she'd say that I'd had it since I was a baby. <laughs> she, she did. She said I was a very determined little child and always, and, and wasn't very good at listening to the word no and always determined to do what I wanted to do. So maybe that's an innate thing. That's 
yeah, that's something I've had all my life. <laughs> yeah, I doubt. I was like, I think you were <laughs> determined when you were young. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give you a quick story. Yeah. Um, apparently, I was about two and a half, and Mum was telling me to wear something, and I didn't want to wear it, and I pulled all of my clothes out of the drawer, the drawers, and then I said right, I'm going to run away from home. And, and dad, dad apparently said, oh, do you want us to get a suitcase down? I said, yes. <laughs> and I knew what I was going to do. But, you know, mum and dad apparently dined out on that story for years. But now that I look back and I look at like a two and a half year old child and I think, where did I get the idea of running away from home from? But I was determined. <laughs> <laughs> the most important thing, you didn't lose it. That's good. <laughs> <Yeah>, no. <nope. laughs> so uh, tell me the non-negotiable habits that you do daily. Okay. And I, I, have a, I have a smoothie. Um, so I have gut issues like irritable bowel syndrome and fructose malabsorption and stuff like that and I've got this prescription smoothie um, from a dietitian that's got a whole lot of really like amazing stuff in it like linseeds and linseed oil and sunflower seeds and all sorts of really good stuff and mine that non-negotiable is I have to have that every morning because as far as I believe that it helps settle my gut down and make it less like you know reduces the inflammation mm -hmm. so that's one non-negotiable now um you know just particularly recently i have started doing yoga again so i've got back into yoga and i do that pretty much every morning it's at least five mornings a week and that's really important because i have a lot of lower back pain and and it just Oh my God, it makes such a big difference. And what else? And, oh, and I, I, I'm not proud of this one, but first thing in the morning, as soon as I wake up, oh my God, I grab the phone and I look on Facebook. <laughs> I'm addicted. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in this time of confinement, everyone is addicted. Oh, to yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, oh, what's going on in the outside world? What have I missed? <laughs> when I've got all um, so many friends in Australia and when I wake up in the morning it's what, what time is it it's like their day has ended it's not quite right but anyhow <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a big time difference between France and yeah. Australia <laughs> what is it in my hour 8 a.m is there 6 p.m now so yeah so they're they're sort of coming up to the end of their day and so I like to see what's going on <laughs> I just, I'm curious about people. Yeah, that's cool. And I really loved your Facebook group. Uh, oh, thank Black you. Woman. It's really, it's really a good one. And I really loved the vibes and energy inside the group. Oh, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> so tell me about uh, three success secrets that you had. You can share it with the audience. Okay. Um, I would say definitely determination and resilience. 
So I, I guess if I was choosing three words, like be optimistic, uh, be resilient and be determined to get what you want. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's three, but that's just three words. Uh, what else would I add to that? Um, I think surround yourself by the, with the right people and with people who support you. And if people don't support you or they put you down, then let go of them, you know, let go of them out of your life. And, and I've been, I'm still learning that lesson and sort of, especially working closely with people, I'm learning to far more quickly go, you know what, we don't have a great working relationship. I'm, I'm going to let that go now. It's really important. Because you don't need to feel that angst and that negative energy when you're trying to create something new. And, and yeah, I think the last one is always be creative and be prepared to think laterally and try different things. And if something's not working like the way you want, try something else. So always be flexible and adaptable. Yeah. I think everything you said now just reflects on your journey and how you used it during your journey. It's really interesting to hear it. Um, thank you, Janine, for, for being here. I had a great time chatting with you and talking with you and hearing your story. Um, where people could find you on, on social media? Or on okay, on social media, um, so, oh, I've got quite a few things. So you can... My journey in France is under is in a group on Facebook called Living the Vision, um, Living the Vision with Janine Zonsi. If you're an expat woman in France, then please join my group, Expat Women in France, and also on MojoCircle.com. And uh, my my blog site is JaneneSonsi.com but you've got to get the spelling of my name right. <laughs> it's Janine, right? Susan. It's Janine, J-A-N-E-E-N. Totally unusual. And Sonsi is S-O-N-S-I-E. So JanineSonsi.com. Right. But I'll send you some links if you like so that people can find me. I'm, I'm, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, but I really don't use them very much i'm pretty easy to find on facebook because i'm only and the only janine sonsi in the world and you can also find me on linkedin as well thank you thank you for the great insights janine thank you so much it's been a pleasure talking to you